Zipper rolls out to the right, pitches off to Taylor, and Taylor's to the 20. Down to the 15, down to the 10, 5, 4, 3, 2, 1. Touchdown, Billy Taylor! Touchdown, Billy Taylor! Billy Taylor scored a touchdown from 21 yards out. The crowd goes berserk. It was November 22nd, 1969 that they came to Barry, Michigan, all dressed in maize and blue. The words were said, the prayers were read, and everybody cried. But when they closed the coffin, there was someone else inside. Oh, they came to Barry, Michigan, but Michigan wasn't dead. And when the game was over, it was someone else instead. Eleven Michigan Wolverines put on the gloves of gray, and as the organ played the victors, they laid Woody Hayes away. Under center is Wangler at the 45. He goes back. He's looking for a receiver. He throws downfield to fire. Welcome to the Michigan Man Podcast on Wolverine Sports Radio, a member of the V-Sporto Network and in partnership with SB Nation's Maze and Brew for Wolverine fans from coast to coast. Go Blue and welcome to the show. I'm your host, Mike Fitzpatrick. On our game day segment, we are joined today by the angel of the big house, Beat writer Angelique Shingelis from the Detroit News. Before that, my final view from Section 17 until next season. It's been another long and emotional year for Michigan football. We've had almost a month to digest another loss to Ohio State. And in that time, we've also heard the opinion of many from the outside saying the talent gap between Ohio State and Michigan is widening. We also pulled in a top 15 recruiting class and heard from the recruiting experts that it was a good group but not the kind of top five class we need to compete with the handful of elite programs dominating the playoffs. We've also read countless analysts and experts tell us Michigan fans need to lower our expectations. We are a program with a great history, a good football team, but not elite anymore. I don't buy any of that rubbish and you shouldn't either. We need to get better, no doubt, and we need to someday soon slay that dragon that is Ohio State, but all that can wait for now. Our reward for a 9-3 season is a berth in the Citrus Bowl against Alabama, a team that would be in the playoffs if Tua hadn't gone down. There is no doubt in my mind about that. If we thought Ohio State was good, well, NFL scouts will tell you this. Alabama is 10-2, but they have much more talent than Ohio State. Bottom line, this is a great opportunity and challenge for us, and not many of the experts expect us to win. But that's why you play the game. My guest today says the same thing about Alabama as she did when previewing the Ohio State game. It will take a near-perfect performance for Michigan if we expect to be in this game and have a chance to win. She thinks it will be an uphill battle, though. Joining us next on our final game day segment of the year is the angel of the big house, beat writer Angelique Schengelers from the Detroit News, here on The Michigan Man, in partnership with our friends at SB Nation's Maize and Brew. So stay with us.
back with us as we uh, preview the the bowl game. He just talks to Michigan football in general. He's a beat writer, Angelique Shingelis from the Detroit News. Once again, great to have you back, Angelique. Oh, Mike, I'm so happy to be back. Last time we talked was before the uh, the Ohio State game, and uh, that obviously didn't go well. So now we're going to talk about the bowl game. And we'll see where that goes. Well, you're right. It did not go well at all. And here we are. And considering how the season ended with that game, a beatdown at home to Ohio State, Michigan could not have asked for a better bowl bid, could they? Oh, I, you know, I really did think, I really thought they'd end up perhaps in the Holiday Bowl. I thought, I know, that was one of the the bowls being discussed and, and maybe the Gator Bowl. And I, you know, this is this is a dynamite uh, spot for them. I mean, the Citrus Bowl, yeah, Orlando, they've been there a million times, but at least they're not playing Florida again. They're playing Alabama, and it's a marquee matchup. I think it'll get a lot of eyeballs, and you know, I think that there's a lot of motivation, and I think it's for both teams. I mean, that conference call with uh, both coaches after the uh, selections were made, I mean, Nick Saban sounded awfully determined, too, to – you know, to right the ship at, at Alabama. I mean, this is a down year for them. Yeah, you know, that sounds kind of funny, but that's a program that's used to being in, in the playoff and playing for a championship. And they sound awfully motivated, and Michigan sounds awfully motivated. So I yeah, I think that's uh, that's going to make for a pretty, pretty interesting uh, week leading up to the game and certainly the game. As you said, Alabama had sort of a down year, which at 10-2, and two, that sounds strange to say, but... <laughs> You know, when you look at that team, if Tua had not been injured, there's still a a very good chance Alabama would have been in the playoffs. They are that good. They are that good. I mean, their offense is that good. I think you can make, you can nitpick the defense, the Alabama defense might, but that offense, I mean, they're, they're explosive. They've got great receivers, three, three probable first round picks and, you know, Tua is, is, I mean, just extremely efficient. He, I mean, he was, I think, fourth in passing yards at the time, which was late in the season. And, um, you know, they've got Najee Harris, a very good running back, and a couple tackles on this offensive line that, again, are, are, are definite high pro, pro picks. And, yeah, this is an explosive offense. I, I do think you can say, you know, maybe there's some things missing on the defense and a couple guys now sitting out, but, uh, yeah, I mean, this is formidable. Well, it really is. And I guess the one thing that surprises me and, and has since the bull bid was announced is that it's only been roughly a seven-point spread. I'm not a Vegas guy, not a gambler, but mm-hmm. still I thought, you know, the Ohio State spread was double digits. I thought it would be the same for this game, didn't you? Oh, well, yeah, for sure. And I don't know if it's it's still there. There's this anticipation that several more Alabama players will sit out. I mean, I think that's what everyone thought would happen. This is a program that's not used to playing in something other than a playoff and you know maybe they'll do what a lot of other teams do and have players decide to sit and and not play like Michigan did last year before the Peach Bowl with four starters opting to sit out and you know I I I, so far I've been sort of surprised I thought there would be more too from Alabama and and that's not the case so I imagine that's why the line was set so so low. I mean, mm-hmm. I, I think we're in agreement there, and um, so I'll be curious to see if it moves. But because I'm not, I'm not, I'm not a Vegas person either, and um, so I, you know, when people talk about movement and the money's here and there, I always get a little confused. I'm like, oh, okay, but um, but I do, I, I, I am a little surprised. 
by the the lack of players that, that from Alabama who said they're sitting out, and and I think that's affecting and and could affect the line going forward here before the game. Yeah, there's only been two players I believe from Alabama say mm-hmm. they are not going to play, and and their daily reports from practice they're making a point that everyone is is dressed and practicing. So I would be surprised if anyone else in Alabama says they're not going to play. Well, I mean, you know, you don't know. It, it, as, as the days get closer to the bowl game, and maybe, maybe these guys are like, well, okay, I am going to sit, but I want to keep working out with the team, and I, I want to stay in shape. Um, you know, that that could happen. I don't know. But I, you know, I'm reading the same reports, Mike, and, and they are making that point, just as Michigan players have made the point that no one is mispracticed, no one's sitting out. And um, and that certainly can change as as agents talk to players who could leave early or seniors who are leaving, uh, you know, people get in their ears and, and those decisions that seem like they're made now are not. And um, so I'm not closing the door on, on players from either team deciding to sit out. But right now, as it stands, it sounds like both teams feel like they're going to have a you know, pretty much everybody playing and available. You know, after the Ohio State game, Angelique, the discussion in the following week or weeks was about the talent gap that exists between Ohio State and Michigan, and we could do an entire show on that, though. The same gap exists between Michigan and Alabama, doesn't it? Yeah. No, I mean, look, I I think a lot of these players we talked to, Mike, after uh, after their award show uh, last Sunday, you know, they talked about this team reminds them of Ohio State, and and that's, that's lofty praise. I mean, Ohio State's got all this talent on offense, and and that's what uh, what Alabama looks like to them. And uh, the talent gap gap has to be has to be substantial. I, again, I'm not I, I'm not going to subscribe to that entirely. And I, if I've I've had this sort of debate in my head over the last uh, couple of weeks, Mike, that um, you know maybe it's too easy to say, well, uh, Ohio State's got too many five stars, and and they've got this and that. I think there's so many elements to why Ohio State's ahead of the game here. And it's not just um, accumulating five stars. And the same thing with Alabama. And they've had some consistency, you know, in, in Alabama with Nick Saban there and the way he runs that program and the talent they've brought in. And, and it's a machine, just like Ohio State's become. And, um, and, you know, perhaps Michigan can get there at some point. But it is going to take time. And it and it's it's they certainly are doing that with their recruiting class, identifying needs. But, uh, but back to your question, yeah, I mean, this is, this is that kind of team that that Michigan has to measure itself against to see either how close they are or how far they are. And, you know, you can look at that Ohio State game and just go, wow, you know, they are so far. And even last year's game, but, but then there are a couple games that I look at the Ohio State game, you know, the, the uh, JT, you know, the JT was short game. Mm -hmm. I mean, they win that game. The narrative is a little different. You know, they win the, the next year, with John O'Connor quarterback, I thought, wow, they had a great game plan. They had a, a lead, a two-touchdown lead, and, and I think with a more talented quarterback, they win that game. And I know it's a lot of ifs, but my point is, you know, those two games, it didn't look like the talent gap was enormous. But, um, but going into this one, yeah, I think offensively, they've got uh, Alabama's got some just amazing talent, just like Ohio State did. Uh, across the board, offensive line, running back. I mean, my goodness. I mean, what J.K. Dobbins did. I don't know that Najee Harris is as good as J.K. Dobbins. I don't think so. But they've got all the compliments. I mean, they've got uh, Smith and Judy and Ruggs at the at the receiver, and and those two tackles are outstanding. So it's it's this is going to be very much a um, 
uh, you know, a chance for Michigan to get a signature win. It's not going to be easy by uh, by no means will it be easy, but um, it will be a good measuring stick game, I, I guess is the best way to describe it. Let's talk about some of the matchups in this game, Angelique, and get your thoughts on them. Michigan's offense against that Bama D. Now, they have plenty of four- and five-star talent on their defense. They're loaded up, but they have not been a great defense this year for a lot of reasons, have they? No, you're right. I mean, they, they have not been great, and and I think that's another – I mean, I, I think every coach is inspired to, to play better and to be better, and, and I got that sense, you know, listening to Nick Saban that – this is a chance for them to improve that defense too. These bowl practices and and uh, and playing against a good Michigan offense, and uh, you know they're they're seventeenth nationally in total defense, and they're, they're I think um, I think it was thirty sixth against the run. I was looking at these stats last night, and um, you know they've they've got some holes, but they also they're, they're not terrible by any means either. So. Um, no, I think that this. I think Michigan's offense matches up pretty well with this defense. I just want to see Michigan develop more of a run game, and I think this is an opportunity to have the running backs get some yards and get some confidence against a team like this. Because I, I think that that Alabama, you can run on Alabama, and you certainly can score on Alabama. I mean, Auburn did in, in that win, and they, they both had it was a high-scoring game. So, uh, you know, I'm not um, dismissing the fact that Alabama's offense can put up points just like uh, like any other offense can against them. But uh, but I like this matchup, and I, I think Michigan's offensive line got better and better, and I think they're feeling really confident after uh, facing Chase Young in that Ohio State game and, and neutralizing him for the most part. I You know, I, I still think he was disruptive. I know a lot of people say, well, you know, his stats, they, but he didn't really have any, but he was disruptive still in the backfield. He was still... His presence was still no, but I think all in all, they, I think they did a really good job on on him, and I think they carried that confidence going into this game and, and facing this defense, this Alabama defense. No, I agree, and you know, I would like to see that I'm a run guide, or at least a balanced offense, so I would like to yes. see Michigan come out and try to at least establish some kind of a running game, but you know, when you listen to a lot of the analysts on BTN, ESPN, when they're previewing this game, even Urban Meyer uh, when he was breaking down the game over the weekend, was saying he thinks Michigan has to come out throwing against Bama like they did against Ohio State, but exclude the mental errors and penalties if they're going to be able to move the ball. I'm not sure if that's true, but it seems to be the opinion from a lot of uh, well-respected analysts. Well, I mean, and I, I wonder if that's it's, if they're looking at Michigan's run game. I mean, you look at those last four or five games, they really weren't productive. And you can say, well, but Shane Patterson was throwing the ball all over the place. Well, yeah, that's true. But I still think, I mean, look what Ohio State did in that game. I mean, they had J.K. Dobbins running around right, and they threw four touchdown passes. I mean, that is the kind of balance I think you need. And um, But I, I don't disagree with that. I mean, I, I think that's been so effective for Michigan, and it sets a tone. You know, they can, But it also sets a tone. I mean, what, which game was it where they started uh, – they started the game, I think it was every play was a run except maybe one or two, and, and they scored on that. Uh, yeah, maybe it was the Illinois game. I yeah. thought, wow, okay, that's, that's, that's a fact that's not speed in space, but it's, it's consistent and, and it's rugged and it's, it's setting a tone with the run game. It just depends, I think, which way you want to set that tone. And uh, I'm not opposed to, to uh, what Urban Meyer said. I just think that they have to have a presence from Hassan Haskins and Zach Charbonnet and you know, what I'm curious about, Mike, is, you know, we haven't had a chance to talk to to Jim Harbaugh 
since that conference call. But, I mean, uh, can Chris Evans, you know, he's, he's been working out with the team. He'll be back with the team January 1st. I mean, how much uh, is work is he getting in practice? I don't think he can play in the game, but I'm not sure. I mean, no yeah. one has said one way or the other. Um, but I'm, I don't know that he's ready to play. But So I think, you, you know, you're looking at these two backs and, I think you have to get more production out of them, but um, but yeah, no, I I I do think that Alabama's got some. They're going to be a little susceptible in the secondary, and uh, Shea Patterson certainly has looked like a different quarterback those last uh, that last month of the season. And uh, I think you've got some motivated receivers too who um, who want to get there. You know, they want to impress scouts. A lot of players are looking at this game as an opportunity to do that. And what better way for a couple of these receivers than to have big big uh, receiving games and, and for Shea Patterson you know, getting ready for the senior bowl to have a big performance too. But I still like you, I, I, I think they need to have some, they need to have a little more balance with that run game. And I still think that's going to be the game plan to uh, try to achieve some balance uh, to keep that offensive Alabama off the field, if at all possible for, for long periods of time. I think the key, you know, you hear people talking about what is the key for Michigan in this game? You know, the key to me is uh, not so much the game plan. It's that we can't drop the ball down on the goal line and uh, yeah. in shotgun snaps and some crazy, stupid penalties. The mental mistakes have must be eliminated against a team like Alabama. Yeah, oh, absolutely. I mean, you know, I look back at that Ohio State game, and, and you know, I mean, there were so many things that were glaring, but the, the drops were just, that was, you just, you can't do that. I mean, it's, to me, that's to say why, I mean, got to criticize that as much as you criticize all the fumbles they mm-hmm. had early in the season right and those are turnovers in a sense i mean yeah okay maybe you still have another down but it feels like you, you know you could have scored there you could have you know you could have gotten the first down there and there, ha- there are a lot of mental mistakes i don't know you know everybody wants to blame everybody for something point a finger at somebody i don't know what that is you know you hear the players the coaches after the game and the players saying it's execution and, and well yeah it is but i mean that has to be coached too and you know there has to be this constant reminder. You, you've got to you got to hang on to the ball. You just you can't have any mental errors. You can't have any stupid you know penalties as you mentioned. And you know there's a lot to think about. And and I don't I'm not suggesting they overthink it, but those those were glaring in that game. And it, it's been something that I think is not just that game. I mean it wasn't just. And they haven't been immune to to these kind of errors all season. So I think this is a game where, you know, they talk about setting, hitting the reset button and and rewriting the script for this past season while setting up for the 2020 season. Well, what better way than to to show that you've cleaned up these errors? And you're never going to play a perfect game, but these have been uh, largely imperfect because of those errors and uh and you have a lot of people watching so what better way to, to show off than the, to play a little more disciplined and uh, a little more careful i guess is, is the way to describe it that's true they've got to eliminate those mental mistakes and penalties to stay in this game another one of uh, the concerns i think is a concern that we talked about in august the defensive line mm-hmm. but they played very well most of the season very undersized we we all know that they were just exposed by two very good offensive lines, Wisconsin and Ohio State. I'm not going to say Penn State's uh, had their way with Michigan. Wisconsin and Ohio State, definitely. If NFL scouts are right, uh, Bama's offensive line is better or as good as both of those teams. So, you, you know, when you look at it from a game planning perspective, even slowing down Alabama is going to be asking a lot 
from this undersized defensive front, isn't it? Oh, it it is, Mike. And and you know, talking to Quiddy Pay after the uh, the awards show, um, you know, I brought up I brought up the the yards that they gave up to J.K. Dobbins, and and you know, it, it was also in in kind of the bookend. I mean, the the game that Jonathan Taylor had at the start of the Big Ten season against Michigan, and the and the and the game that Dobbins had in the Ohio State game. And, you know, I said, well, you know, why hasn't that gotten better? I mean, you know, this is a – statistically, they're not bad against the run, but against two really good teams, mm-hmm. as you've described, with good offensive lines, they – I still think – I think Dobbins could have run for more yards against against the, the Michigan defense. And and they are undersized in the interior, and they are – they lack depth there. And the one thing Quiddy was saying is that – um, you know, he was, he said not to make an excuse, but, but Carlo Kemp was, uh, he said, he called him, he said he could barely walk in that game. And I had heard that from other people and that his feet, he, he described his feet as, uh, as, the quote he said was destroyed and he was playing as hard as he could. And, um, I, you know, I think they, they knew that was going to be limiting that, that Carlo Kemp couldn't be his, you know, wasn't a hundred percent. And couldn't give that that effort. I mean, he gave the effort, but he couldn't be that hundred percent guy that they needed. And um, you know, they think he'll be healthy, but it's that's one person. They they definitely need more depth there. And um, you know, talking to to people who who scout, you know, it's, they feel like that Michigan's had some guys on the defensive line playing a little bit out of position. Too many guys who are ends trying to trying to help out in the interior, and you know, they, they lack a Maurice Hurst kind of guy. I think everybody knows that, and uh, doesn't mean that they can't do this. But um, but that that was glaring when you look at this season. Those two games, for obvious reasons, stick out. I mean, they were losses, but um, but I think the the way those teams were able to run on Michigan, those, those are glaring. Those are big concerns. And, um, you know, how are they going to fix it for Alabama? I guess we'll see. But um, I guess it's a, it's a good thing they've got this month to get Carlo Kemp healthy because they, they certainly will need him. With us on our game day segment as we get ready for the Citrus Bowl is Angelique Schengelis from the Detroit News. You know, Angelique, there's been a lot of talk from media and fans about which team is going to be more motivated in this game. And part of me thinks it's a silly question. Um, even insulting to the players because I think it's Alabama, it's Michigan, it's Nick Saban, it's Jim Harbaugh. The expectation is you come out and play, and if you can't get motivated for this kind of a game, that would be pretty sad, wouldn't it? Oh, absolutely. And, you know, I would argue that you've got to be motivated for every game, even if it's against, uh, you know, whatever team, you know, that, that, that anybody has on the schedule. I mean, that's why you don't have that many games in a season so you got to be motivated but yes I mean this takes it up a notch and of course they're going to be motivated and I don't think you have to manufacture motivation I don't think you have to sit there and say okay guys we got to get this 10th win okay they, they know that I mean that's that's it that is a benchmark for the program and but it's not just about that it's about you know finding some pride and and rebounding after a, a very difficult loss against Ohio State and rebounding from a season that, that didn't live up to their expectations or anybody else's expectations, really, when you look at those preseason prognostications and this is going to be the team to beat in the East, blah, blah, blah. And, um, you know, they are they are playing a team that catches their attention. And, and, you know, I think that is something that players talked about, that last year coming off of that, that, that big loss in Columbus, playing, you know, in the Peach Bowl, it wasn't really against the same team 
wasn't really that exciting to anybody. And that's disappointing to hear, I'm sure, and perhaps why some of those guys did decide to sit. But um, I, it's definitely a different take this year, at least from the from the Michigan side. Again, I'm just reading the same things from Alabama that you are, uh, Mike. But I, I think talking to these players, I, they do – they do sound like this is a team that's got their attention and they know what it can do for them too, as individuals, not to mention the team. And, and I think that's all very extremely motivating for Michigan. And they know that this is a New Year's day game and they know that people are going to be watching. It's not the playoff, but it is Alabama. It's on New Year's day and it's, it's going to attract so much attention. And uh, I, I, there's so many reasons to be motivated and I'm sure Jim Harbaugh is is, uh, is mentioning that to them every single day when they practice. Well, you know, we can throw out the cliches when it comes to a game like this between two blue bloods. You know, anything can happen on any given day. Anyone can get beat. But in reality, especially given the way Michigan played against Ohio State, it is hard to imagine any scenario, for me anyway, that has Michigan winning this game. And I even hate to say that. Bama is just such a talented team, Angelique, that they really have to help in this too, I think. Oh, absolutely. I mean, I, I, I'm totally with you. And, you know, they've got a, they've got a coach who's won national championships. And let's, let's not forget that he coached the Michigan State. I'm sure there's some lingering issues there. I mean, I remember when he got the job at LSU, I went down, they sent me down there to do a story. And, and one of the first things he said was it was always – Michigan this, Michigan that, when, when he was at Michigan State. And, and I'm not sure that's something that he carries with him now, but I'm sure it's just like he's thought about it, Nick Saban has. And uh, and he's had some issues. He had some real issues with Harbaugh you know, a few years ago with the satellite camps and, and what Harbaugh was doing with that, going to IMG Academy. And um, I think that they obviously respect each other, but – I mean, you couldn't face uh, the more ultimate competitor as a coach than Nick Saban in my mind. So I think this guy has lots of motivations to have his team play well and not to beat Jim Harbaugh. I'm not saying that, but I would think that that's an underlying motivation for him. But you know, he knows that this was a disappointing season. A 10-2 season was disappointing for Alabama, and I laugh because it's just, you know, two losses doesn't seem like a horrendous um, <laughs> production, but no. for them it is. And, um, yeah, no, I mean, I, I, this team's going to be supremely motivated. We'll see how many, if there are other players who sit and maybe that makes a difference. But, but right now on paper, I agree with you, Mike, I, I don't know how Michigan beats Alabama unless they're, they have their kind of, uh, fumbleitis game like Michigan had early in the season and, and gives Michigan opportunities with turnovers and, and mistakes. But, I, I don't think you see a lot of that from, from Nick Saban coach teams. No, and I think the uh, the atmosphere for Michigan fans, since the uh, since the Ohio State game, the emails that I've been getting, the conversations mm-hmm. that I've been having with Michigan fans, is a lot of them are hoping it's just a competitive game that we don't get blown out like uh, the Ohio State game. And to me, that's uh, there just seems to be a lack of excitement from a lot of the fan base. Do you think a large portion, a growing portion of the fan base is starting to lose faith in, in Jim Harbaugh at this point? Well, I mean, I, you know, I get a lot of those emails and those tweets as well, you know, and I, I don't know, Mike, I mean, I think it's, it's what I, I laugh about is, is like sometimes I, I hear Michigan fans and it's one of the, if, if someone else from the outside of the Michigan family criticizes Harbaugh in Michigan, I feel like 
it's sort of like the thing where I I can I can criticize my brother, but you can't. And it feels like they circle the wagons a little bit if someone else says, "Oh yeah, Michigan's down. Michigan's never going to come back." And and then I hear Michigan fans saying, "Well, no, 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 don't. That's just our coach. Don't talk about him." But then when you talk to them, they're like, "Yeah, I don't know. I mean, I don't know where this is going. This is five years in, and expectations were so high, and people thought that Jim Harbaugh was the Messiah." And, and they were going to have a national championship run by year three or four, and that hasn't happened. I mean, they haven't won a Big Ten championship. They haven't come close to that yet. Or they've come close, but they haven't achieved it. And there is growing frustration, but I, you know, I don't, I, yeah, I don't see Jim Harbaugh going anywhere. I don't think Ward Manuel wants him to go anywhere. And and if he were to leave, it would be, um, it would be Jim Harbaugh finding an option that, that he would rather uh, take right now, but I don't see that. So I think Michigan fans have to understand that you know, this is what they have. And you can look at the positives. I'm not trying to be Pollyanna-ish, but there, you know, there, there are some positives here. It's just that they cannot win these big games. And, and that's enormous. And it's, I'm sure it's embarrassing when you've got an eight game losing streak and, and really, you know, it's not just a Michigan, uh, just a Jim Harbaugh problem, but the, this streak against Ohio State is extending now into almost two decades. So that's not all on Jim Harbaugh, but um, but it's tiresome, and and I'm I'm sure Michigan fans are very weary of this, and um, I, you know, it's it's got to change at some point, I think, and uh, you know, I think they look at this. The Michigan players look at it as well. Why not right now against Alabama? This is where they have to try to make the to flip that switch a little bit. Well, it is perplexing, and I was listening to a, a national recruiting analyst last week after the signing day, Barton Simmons uh, from 24-7 mm-hmm. Sports, and, and he said something interesting. Under Jim Harbaugh, Michigan is recruiting better than they have in decades, but Ohio State's recruiting even better at a level they've never recruited at. Mm-hmm. And I think the depressing thing is, he said, even with Ryan Day, he doesn't see that changing soon. You know, and I'm starting to think that's true. And I think there lies the rub. If you're Jim Harbaugh, how do you change that? And it is a sobering question, isn't it? It really is. I mean, I, you know, and I remember in uh, July when, at the Big Ten media days, Mike, when people were saying oh, to, to Michigan players, well, you know, they got a coaching change at, at Ohio State. And even the players were like, look, it's Ohio State. I mean, we don't think that just switching coaches is going to change the direction of that program. So the Michigan players were saying that. And and I had gone down in uh, February for their signing day because Greg Madison was speaking and the first time since he had left Michigan. So I went down there, and, and I really was extremely impressed with Ryan Day and how he handled everything because I thought, well, maybe this, this is Columbus. I mean, this is – I mean, I grew up in Cincinnati. I know what it's like there. And mm-hmm. Maybe it's going to be too daunting for the guy. And I was blown away by how he was completely unfazed by – how big this job is and and he was embracing it and he is he is so smooth and just even watching his press conference the other day from signing day i mean he's just got it all together and he's got a very good staff and but he was also handed the keys to a program that was operating pretty smoothly before so it wasn't like he had to do much rebuilding he just had to keep maintaining and and he's done that and he will continue to do that and it's hard, you know. You look at the, at these top programs that are in the in the playoffs. They have something established now. They've got a machine. They've got it. It's oiled, and, and you just got to keep you know keep adding that oil. And um, you know, is that going to be insurmountable for Michigan to to break into that group? I don't think so. I really don't. And 
Um, it's not one. It's not. This is not a thing for me to be optimistic about. I mean, I, I don't know. I'm just saying. I, I think that that Jim Harbaugh, he he has done well in recruiting. I, I look at this. And I'm like, why does everybody have to see on? Well, he doesn't have as many five stars. He doesn't have this. Well, look. A few years ago, all we talked about it. You know, Michigan State. Look what Mark Antonio is doing with two and three star guys and developing. They can be developed into players who can unseat an Ohio State like Michigan State did and and can go to a Big Ten championship game like Michigan State did. So it's not insurmountable, but it is it is not just bringing in great players. It's developing them. And, um, you know, I, I, I got to believe that Michigan's got a pretty good staff in right now that is doing that. And, and talking to Brady McGregor the other day, I mean, one of the things that really sold him on Michigan and, and committing – was Sean Nua, a young guy, you know, some new life on that defensive line. So, you know, we'll see where this goes. I, I, you know, I think that, that they really have to get more consistency on the staff at Michigan, not so much turnover, guys leaving every year. You know, it seems like every year there's, there's a big departure. And, um, you know, I think they need some consistency. I mean, Saban has obviously had a, had a lot of departures on his staff, but and they've maintained uh, consistency. But, um, you know, I, I – I just don't. I don't think it's it's going to be impossible for Michigan to break in, but it's it's certainly not going to be easy. No. And and Ohio State's just got the upper hand right now. And and I don't. I'm not sure how. I don't see them losing that either. So it's going to take some uh, some doing by Michigan. But I'm rambling there. But I I, I just uh, <laughs> I, I just I, I'm not I'm not buying this thing that that, that Michigan is is eons behind Ohio State. Final question for you, though, uh, Angelica. Other than the game uh, with the week coming up, there is a lot going on for both teams and, of course, for the media. As you know, it's as busy as all get out. But, you know, it's still a lot of fun for everyone, and it is, even though it's not the playoffs, it is a great reward for a long season, isn't it? It really is. I mean, and then the weather's going to be very nice in Florida. I, I mean, it's 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 more fun when they're like on a on a beach and then they can you know, a lot of these guys haven't seen haven't been to the beach and, and it's fun to see them exploring that for the first time but you know it's Orlando and they'll go to different uh, I think they go to Universal Studios uh, early in their their stay and and they'll do a couple other things they do a nice little visit with uh, local kids and they, and they always seem very relaxed at those at those um, kind of events and. Um, I don't think they'll have a bowling um, outing like they did a few years ago when the fight <laughs> broke out with South Carolina. <laughs> that was like, that was a little surreal, but um, but no, I think this is it's a it's a really nice trip for them. And you know, you see sometimes the older guys have like been there, done that, and they want to just get off their feet and and hang out and, and rest for the game. I mean, there is that business trip element to it, but I do think that they have found a nice balance and. Um, you know, maybe they'll just go see Mickey and Minnie and, uh, and maybe, you know, go to the Star Wars <laughs> and Disney and, and, uh, and geek out a little bit. So no, it's, it's a, it's a good trip and, and the weather will be good. So I, I don't think there'll be any complaints, but they do all seem very excited about playing Alabama. So I think that's the biggest draw. Here with us on our game day segment this week, as we've been uh, previewing the Citrus Bowl uh, coming up, a great opportunity for Michigan, a marquee game with two blue blood schools has been beat writer Angelique Shingelis from the Detroit News. As always, Angelique, a pleasure having you on the show, and I wish uh, you and the family a very Merry Christmas, and we look forward to the next visit, hopefully sometime soon. Well, Merry Christmas, Mike. Thank you so much for having me on, and uh, I guess I'll 
talk to you in 2020. The season has gone by fast. I, I think for those of us around it, as you know, it seems like it never really ends, even though the calendar will roll the mm-hmm. day of the bowl game. But as always, we're, we're so uh, happy to have you on the show. You're gracious with your time, and our listeners love to hear from you. So, again, we look forward to that next visit. I look forward to it. Thanks so much. Merry Christmas. I hope uh, you get something a little better than coal. I know that's usually what you get, but, but you know, <laughs> maybe Santa will be nicer to you this year. I'm kidding. You do a wonderful job. And I'm sure that Sandra will will, uh, reward you accordingly. I'm hoping so. Thank you, Angelique. (laughs) Quick Hits is next as we wrap it up for another week here on The Michigan Man on Wolverine Sports Radio, a member of the V-Sporto Network and in partnership with SB Nation's Maze & Brew. Quick hits today, there have been virtually no injury updates during bowl prep week. Captain Carlo Kemp has been fighting an undisclosed injury for weeks now, but the word is he will be ready to go on Wednesday, and we need him. Other than that, we are very healthy for the season finale. Good news yesterday, when Quiddy Pay announced he would be returning next season. Most NFL types say he is more than ready for Sundays, but he wants to come back and enjoy college life for one more year. He also wants his degree, so great news. On Monday, we'll have our final visitors segment of the season. Our guest will be the radio play-by-play voice of Alabama football, Eli Gold. Eli has been the voice of the Crimson Tide for 31 years, so make sure you join us on Monday for that. That will do it for today's show. I'm your host, Mike Fitzpatrick. Have a great Wolverine weekend, everyone. Until Monday, take care, and as always, Go Blue! Thanks for joining us today on The Michigan Man here on Wolverine Sports Radio, a member of the V-Sporto Network and in partnership with SB Nation's Maze and Brew. Our listener lines are open 24-7 for your calls at 313-263-4842. That's 313-263-4842. Or email us at themichiganmanpodcast at yahoo.com. That's themichiganmanpodcast at yahoo.com. The Michigan Man Podcast is produced at the studios of Robin Lynn Productions, Allen Park, Michigan, and is not affiliated with the University of Michigan. Go Blue!